If you're wondering who our extra deacon is today, he's deacon Zachary Coulter from the Diocese of Youngstown, who is a transitional deacon who should be ordained a priest in, in June. He's here visiting us today to do a baptism for his family. Also with us, we have Mr. Michael Crookston, who you should recognize a little bit better. He's a semin- our seminarian from this parish who should be ordained in a few years, God willing. You know, the thing I love about this parish is that somehow we're just on this crossroads of some reason. We always have priests and seminarians stopping by, and sometimes when we get together, we like to watch videos that we see on YouTube that we think are funny, and we share them back and forth. And there was one, now mind you, these are supposed to be funny. The one was about hiring millennials. And I laughed at this one probably because I am not a millennial. It talked about the temptation to immediately and summarily fire millennials because of their work habits, but how we should always find a way to keep them because they make up 19% of the workforce, and if we don't hire them, their parents will have to support them and the economy will tank. So it's our duty as American citizens to keep them employed. And to do so, one needs to understand such things as millennials don't understand that time exists between 4 a.m. when they're getting home from a night on the town and 10.30 a.m. when they arrive for work late with their cafe mochas. Know that they expect promotions and raises for doing exactly what is expected of them, and it does point, however, that they are exceptionally creative. It's just unfortunate that it was for ways of finding to, to get out of work. So we're watching this video, and at the end of this video, there's this thing to click on that says, Millennials respond back to the baby boomers who hire them. I'm also allowed to laugh at this one because, although it's very narrowly, I'm also not a baby boomer. It advises millennials to cut baby boomers a lot of slack because when they were the age that millennials are now, computers still used punch cards and were thrown off the sides of buildings during parades and made and folded into Christmas wreaths for the front door. And that they must be forgiven for thinking that you are texting and tweeting all day, which is what they might assume is happening, when really you are using your phone to do their work for them for which they will take credit. You're going to have to bring your own computer to work because theirs are either out of date or they are out of them. And you are probably stuck in this job because of unpaid student loans and unpaid uh, internships. And you will occasionally be late for work and the baby boomers will be upset and you need to forgive them. You are late because you are riding your bike to work a far better thing for an environment than what the baby boomers have been doing, driving their SUVs to work and destroying it. Now, I'm able to watch both of these videos from my safety on my island of Generation X that was not even mentioned. But it's interesting seeing these worlds collide. It reminds me a little bit of the gospel today. Worlds are colliding. You have Herod wanting to hold on to power, manipulating the Magi in order to get what he wants out of them. And then you have the Magi representing the new order, caught up in the machinery of the old ways and trying to find creative ways to work with the old, but only so far as they can live the new. And careful, I don't mean to equate baby boomers with Herod and millennials with the Magi. Actually, I think of millennials and the baby boomers and Generation X and Generation Y, all with Herod. I think the Magi of a more subtle, quiet, countercultural way of doing things that the world doesn't almost recognize is going on.
For the Magi in the scenario, I think of a couple of men in Friday's newspaper named Paul Hayes and Paul Herman. They run a thrift store for homeless people, and they use the funds to pay for some food for themselves. The place in the woods where they and their clientele live is about to be bulldozed so that the Freedom Trail can be completed. Baby boomers, millennials, my group, X, Y, etc., are all glad to see that this trail is being finished. I have progress. It's great. It's great for the environment. It's great for healthy lifestyles. It's great for the economy of Northeast Ohio and employees or employers. We will return to our system on Monday morning that makes things like this trail possible. But for those who don't really fit in to these ideas of living or have much of a voice as to whether they go on or not, their way of life, their intrusion, their non-fitting in is cast aside. We can barely conceive why anybody would choose to be homeless, or at least why don't they take advantage of all that's out there to help them out, not, not least to mention the shelters. Why not join our way of living and enjoy its benefits? Can't these people some way find that way? It's kind of like the life with the, for which the Magi were looking, the king for which they were looking, the way of life for which they were looking. King Herod and those who benefit from Herod being in power cannot fathom why anybody would want to upset the system. They have a culture. They have a leader. They have jobs. They have order. They have safety. Why go throwing a new king into the mix? Don't upset the apple cart and the status quo. And Herod and his kind are trying to put an end to this endeavor, to seek out the king, to put him to death. And later on in the gospel, we would read that uh, Herod put every boy under the age of two to death in order to try to rid themselves of this king. As a practicing Catholic, as a follower of Christ, his teachings, and his church, as a Christian, you should, should, from time to time, Find yourself in the predicament of these magi or even of these homeless men. Your beliefs, your morals, your philosophy, your theology will be countercultural and run in direct conflict with the mores of your family, with the pat beliefs of your friends, with the political correctness of your nation. It can be a little frightening and sometimes lonely. Others will not be able to even conceive why you would want to live the way of a Catholic. We certainly see this with many university professors, many politicians, much of our popular culture, and a great deal in the media. Why, priest? Why on earth would you want to live like you do? Why would you want to be celibate? Why not join the rest of us? Why not fit in? Don't worry about the homeless child in the barn that's going to call you to chastity, to charity, to obedience. Let's worry about cafe mochas and merit pay. But you and I can't do that. And what they don't understand is it's not just about something we've decided to do. We are in love. Love does crazy things. We come before this Christ who gives his life for us, and in turn, we offer our treasures, 
the only real treasure we have, our life. It doesn't always seem to make sense from a worldly point of view, and now and then people try to suppress it. But like the three kings or the homeless men, we find a way to keep true to this life and to this divine love, living it even in the midst of a radically different worldview, being countercultural and offering his life, his healing, his mission, his joy, and his purpose to anyone who's willing to open their eyes to the wonders of his love, which will make all of this worthwhile.